Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Let's get into the word today. Um, If this is your home church, you know that we have been in a series for the last couple of months uh, studying through the book of Galatians, a series we've entitled Bewitched. And uh, we are slated to conclude that series in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, someone said to me a couple of days ago, they're like, how long are we going to be in this series? There's like six books in Galatians and we're on week eight. And I'm like, I'm long-winded. Give me a break. All right. So I like to talk, but uh, we'll conclude that in just a couple of weeks. And uh, we were slated to go into the second to the last of those installments today. But um, I felt the need in prayer and just kind of yielding to the guidance of the Holy Spirit to take a one-week break, if we could, from our series and address the state of what's happening in our world right now, specifically as it relates to COVID, and a season that I think many of us assumed was either over or nearly over, unless you live in Florida, and then they never even had a pandemic. But, um, <laughs> but a season that we all thought was concluding, and now it seems to be coming back, rearing its ugly head once again, and we're right back to where we started in many places. People scared again, hospitals filling up again, and I feel like we need to talk about that as a community. Um, you know, I don't like being reactive. I think that often when we just react and we don't stop and pause for a moment, we generally say the wrong thing and we do the wrong thing, we get ourselves into trouble. I don't think that that's a wise response to things. And in fact, I think as a leader, my job is to be proactive and not reactive. Good leadership is proactive. It's, it's preparing for a storm before it ever shows up and leading other people to do the same. Because when we react, we end up becoming a part of this thing called the tyranny of the urgent. We end up making some bad decisions. That's why Jesus said, and as he concluded the uh, ser- uh, Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you would just obey my teachings, just do what I told you for the last couple of chapters here, then you will be like someone who builds their house upon bedrock instead of on sand. And when the waves and the the storms of life come, because they are inevitably going to come, you won't find yourself tossed and blown over in a wreck. You'll find yourself stable because you've built your life proactively on some bedrock. That's what we should be doing as believers, to prepare before storms ever show up. Because when they show up, we don't want to be like the rest of the world, tossed to and fro. No, we want to be stable because we know that we've built our life on something that is unchanging. So that's, that's my hope. But I also know that one of my jobs as a pastor is to keep a pulse on the condition of our community. Uh, The Greek word for pastor is the word poimon, and it means shepherd. And Proverbs chapter 27 says that as a shepherd, my job is to constantly know the state of the flock that God has entrusted to us here called the Father's house. I'm sorry if it offends you to call he was sheep, but we're all sheep in Jesus's kingdom. And my job is to make sure that the pastor he's entrusted to us here at the Father's house is, is being cared for well. And in keeping a pulse on our community over the last couple of weeks, I have felt the need to address what's happening. I've been reminded of some things by the Holy Spirit, and I feel like I need to remind us as a community of some things as we potentially step back into round four of this pandemic. And I use the word remind because some of what we will discuss today might sound familiar to a few of us especially if this has been your home church for a while, you might go, I feel like he said that before. I feel like I've heard that before. I think he was in a basement when he said that, when he was filming it. Uh, And you're right, you have heard some of this before, and I have said some of this before. But as we all know, hearing something and doing something are two entirely different things. And I wanna make sure that we haven't just heard what God would say to us about this season, but that as a community, we're actually doing what the word of God commands us to do in this season. That we're not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. 
And I also know that since we've reopened our doors in February, uh, there have been 547 people that have joined us for the first time and become a part of the Father's House community here, which is, yes, that is something we're celebrating. And you haven't heard this before because this is a new family to you. Uh, and some of the stuff we discussed in the pandemic is not a sermon that you've gone back and checked out. So I wanna sow this into your heart today as well and make sure that all of us, whether we've been a part of the family for a while or we're brand new to this thing, are well prepared for whatever battle we're gonna face right now. Because here's the truth. Whether you're new to the family or you're old news, no offense. <laughs> this is not unfamiliar territory. What we're facing right now with news reports and the pandemic and all of it, it is not new. We have actually been down this road before. This is not uncharted water to us. And to that end, I wanna title this chat today, Here We Go Again. <laughs> I debated titling it after the White Snake song, Here I Go Again. Here I go again on my own. But I thought, come on, Tim, three weeks in a row of 80s rock ballads for sermon titles, that's a bit of an abuse of your position. So we'll just call it Here We Go Again, and I will spare you the song title. Um, but as we get into this message, uh, I want to read a, a portion of scripture out together. And I'm going to have you do something that we don't normally do here at the Father's House. And I apologize if this is PTSD for some people that grew up in Catholic church. But I would like us all to stand for the reading of the word today. And I'm going to have us read this scripture out together. I hear the groans already. They're like, that's it. If this guy puts on one of those little white collars and starts praying over communion, I'm out. Fear not. We're not going that far. Okay. Psalms chapter 91 Verses one through four. You ready to read this out together? Let's go. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Come on, that's a good promise right now. One more verse, next slide. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Now, if rampart is a foreign word to you uh, and you just sing about it gallantly streaming in the national anthem and you don't quite know what it means, a rampart is a protective shield that surrounds you, a protective wall that surrounds you. And the psalmist here says that his faithfulness is a shield and it's a protective wall that surrounds us. Come on, that's a good one to have bookmarked in your Bible. It's a good one to have written on your heart, especially as we're in the season that we're in right now. Sometimes you just gotta read scripture out loud and remind your soul about how good your God is. Come on, sometimes it's good for your heart to hear the word of God. So I'm, we're gonna dive into this today. And while you're still standing, why don't you lift your hands towards heaven? And I wanna pray that God's word would transform us before we leave this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that... The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it can cut through all the minutia of what we're facing right now. It can cut right to the heart of the truth of what you've spoken about your people, what you've spoken about your church, what you've spoken about eternity. And right now, we don't want lies. We don't want manipulation. We don't want fear-mongering or tactics. We want the truth of your word to speak to our hearts. God, we command our minds and our hearts to be open today to receive from you what you'd have to speak over us. And may we leave this place with more peace, more faith, more joy, and more stability than we walked in with. We love you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the great name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 
Amen, amen. Come on, high five somebody and take a seat. That's kind of fun, man. We might start doing that from now on. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would like to take a moment at the onset of this sermon, and I would like to issue a public apology to uh, anybody who has called me, texted me, or emailed me between the hours of 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. during the last week, uh, and I ignored. Um, I have been a little bit busy for the last week. Uh, preoccupied is another word. Perhaps the most honest word is mildly addicted to watching the Olympics. Come on, anybody else with me today watching a whole lot of Olympics? Yeah. Come on, everybody needs to get on the Olympic train here. Like, this is how we represent our country. I don't know what it is, man. I, I just, there's something that, resonates deep on the inside of me when I see our medal count higher than everybody else's medal count on the brackets, you know? Something that resonates with me with like world domination, said every dictator ever, right? <laughs> I just love seeing our country dominate. I got a lot of Brazilians in the room at this service, so let me just say, I love, don't woo yet, because you're about to find out that we're better. Uh, I'd like to point out that our girl she beat your girl in the gymnastics thing the other day, okay? Like, and you're lucky Simone wasn't competing. I'm just throwing that out there, but I don't know, man. I feel like, you ever watch that show Pinky and the Brain when you were a kid, the two little lab mice? I feel like the brain when the Olympics come on. You know, Pinky's like, hey, Brian, what do you want to do tonight? And Brain goes, the same thing we do every night, try to take over the world. And I'm like, that is my spirit animal during Olympics. I am a lab mouse in the spirit that wants to take over the world. I'm obsessed. And it works out that some of the sports I enjoy watching happen to be Olympic sports. Uh, I love watching swimming. I love watching diving. I love water polo, uh, mostly because I played all of those sports in high school, if you can call them sports. <laughs> uh, but anything that involved a Speedo, that's what I did in, in high school. And don't read into that too much. Just let's be clear. Uh, but honestly, when it comes to the Olympics, I don't care what sport it is. I just want to see people win. Like, I love it when someone who has the U.S. plastered on the side of their jersey or their swimming cap, when they're in first place. Like, I'll watch badminton. I'll watch speed walking, you know, people just doing this. Like, how is that an Olympic sport? <laughs> table tennis. My wife and I were watching table tennis the other day. True story. And have you ever seen how they start out? They're just staring at the ball. It's like they're waiting for magic to happen. They're just, come on. I'll watch it all if it means that there is a gold medal on the other side of it. I'm absolutely obsessed. Uh, but during my binge watching of the Olympics this last week, uh, one of the commentators made a statement uh, that was honestly more than a statement to me. It was something that resonated deep within my heart. And as he said it, I felt like that had application far beyond the, the, the podiums and the swimming pools and the pommel horses. I felt like it had kind of a universal spiritual application to our world right now. He began to explain that this year marks more rookies than any other, Olympics, uh, any, any other Olympic in history, that apparently 70% of the field has never been to the Olympics before and they've never competed on that world stage. And, and he began to explain that because 70% of the field had never been there, they were at a bit of a disadvantage in comparison to the other 30% because once you've been to the Olympics before, you have a little bit of a competitive advantage called experience. And, and he made this statement, and again, it stuck with me when he made it. He said, when you've been here before, you know what to expect. When you've stood on those blocks at the race waiting for the gun to go off, and you've been in that position before, all the rookies don't know what that feels like, but you do. When you dive into that pool with the butterflies in your stomach, but after that first lap, those things disappear as you begin to compete. You know what that feels like. And so you've got an advantage over the other folks. 
You know what it feels like to be under the lights and in the cameras on the world stage and all the pressure. And because you know what that feels like, you are at an advantage over those who are inexperienced. Now, as they say, every analogy breaks down at some point, and Simone Biles kind of ruined that one for me this week when she tapped out of all of the other performances. But sans Simone, the, the truth remains. When you've been somewhere before, when you know what it feels like, when you've walked through it successfully, you have an advantage. And that brings us to our current plight, uh, the title of the sermon. Here we go again. This is not new territory. This is not unfamiliar, uncharted waters to us. I know it might feel like, wait, what is happening right now? And how did we get here? But you've been here before. Yes, it's the same virus, different variant, same sickness, different season. We, we have actually been here before. And since we've been here before, we have an advantage. We, we should not be responding the same way we responded last time because we've actually been in this situation and thus there should be some things that have been instilled in us as a result of walking through this chapter once before. If last time I began to panic, this time I should have a little bit more peace than I did last time. If last time I was full of fear, this time I should have a little bit more faith. If last time I cowered away, this time I should have a little bit more courage than I did last time. And according to this Psalm, Psalm chapter 91, if last time I began to shut down once I read the news and heard the reports, this time I should be reminded that I have been given a shield to stand behind. And not just any shield, a shield that we're told has been forged in something very significant, the faithfulness of God. Psalm chapter 91, verse four, the psalmist writes, his faithfulness will be your shield. It will be your shield. In other words, when I have the ability to remember what God did in the past, I find a supernatural protection for the present. According to Moses, the uh, theologians believe the author of this psalm, this is more than just some nostalgic memory that brings a smile to our face or a moment of reprieve as we try to make ourselves feel a little bit better about what's happening. No, this is a supernatural act. To be, to be able to recall God's faithfulness before, to be able to look back to what he did we position ourselves behind an impenetrable shield called faithfulness so that when the enemy tries to attack, he doesn't make his way to our heart. He gets stopped dead in his tracks by our God. It's a supernatural act, which tells me that we need to be very careful about how we are responding to what we're reading and seeing and hearing right now. Because the way we respond ultimately determines whether or not we leave ourselves exposed or protected. If we respond incorrectly, our heart is out there for the attack of the enemy all over again. But if we respond correctly, our hearts can be protected. Let me say it like this. Three words of advice as we face an enemy that we've already faced off and squared off with before. If you're looking for advice according to Psalm chapter 91, here it is. Don't React, remember. Don't react, ah, in the flesh. 
Don't, don't let the trauma of yesterday get dredged up in your heart. Don't react. Remember, God was faithful. God was faithful. He, he brought us through it before. I'm still here. He's still giving me a voice, breath in my lungs to worship him. He was faithful before. And since he was faithful before, I have no reason to believe that he's not gonna be faithful this time. Don't react. Remember, the psalmist goes on to tell us that when we remember and we put up this shield, we don't need to be afraid of the arrows that fly by day or the threats of the night, even though a thousand may fall here and 10,000 over there. These things will not harm us because we have hidden ourselves behind a shield called faithfulness. Don't react. Remember. Now, I know that sometimes when we read scriptures like this, it, it feels kind of like wishful thinking, uh, kind of an oversimplification of a very real problem. Maybe you're joining us here for today for the first time. I met someone who was a doctor in the first service and you know, they were grateful for the sermon and we began to talk about the fact that sometimes just quoting scriptures, it feels like an oversimplification or you know, kind of like a make yourself feel better for the moment, but it doesn't really work kind of reprieve. But, but there's a reason that God tells us time and time again in scripture to remember his faithfulness. There is a reason it is in command form many times throughout the word of God. And here's why. If you're taking notes, write this down. Remembrance provides protection through perspective. In other words, when I remember, I begin to see things a little bit differently than I saw them with my natural eyes. Uh, let, let me offer an illustration oh, right here. I'm trading my faith shield for a face shield for just a moment here. Now, the first service was the whoa. <laughs> first service was the first time I've ever put one of these things on before. Um, I know that uh, a lot of people wore these uh, over the last year and a half. Um, for whatever reason, every time I saw one of these, I was like, I just, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it was in the category of never will I ever, along with like Crocs and minivans and Tommy Bahama shirts and all of those things. But hey, if this is your deal, like more power to you. It's, it's awesome. But when I begin to look at the realities of what I'm facing, let's use our current plight. When I begin to hear stories and threats of variants of a virus and the possibility of having to mask again or the inevitability of having to mask again or maybe shelter again or when I start hearing about breakthrough cases and I see things with my natural eyes, I begin to react as I naturally would. Fear, anxiety, worry, cloistering away, going to weird places in my head, isolation. That's how all of us respond when we look at things with our natural, it is human, it is natural to respond those ways. In fact, that's if we're lucky. I just read an article the other day that said that we are about to walk into the greatest mental and emotional breakdown in the history of our country because most people can't even fathom the idea of going back to where we were just a few months ago. People are entering into some very dark spaces in their minds. And that's what happens when we look at things with our natural eyes. Let me say it like this. This is what happens when we forget to remember. We see things through the lens of the natural. But if we can, for just a moment, stop ourselves from going down that road, and instead we can begin to recall the faithfulness of God, suddenly we have a different lens. Suddenly, instead of seeing things through my natural eyes, I have a filter that forces me to look at it through the lens of God's faithfulness. 
So suddenly I have the ability to look beyond the reality and see the God who is greater than the reality. Suddenly I begin to go, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know where you're going, brain, and I know what you're thinking right now, but God was faithful in the last chapter, and I have no reason to believe he's not gonna be faithful in this chapter, and even when I find myself in another storm in the future, he will still be faithful in that storm. So I see things through the lens of the faithfulness of God instead of the reality of what I'm facing. Let, let me make this practical. When I begin to look with my natural eyes and I start worrying about, am I still gonna have a job? And maybe you work in the hospitality industry or in the restaurant industry and you're already wondering like, okay, here we go, round two again. Am I, am I gonna have a job at the end of this? And you're worried about God's provision. In that moment, you can go, wait a minute. He provided for me last time. I'm still here. I was able to pay every bill that I needed to pay. And the ones that I didn't pay, he sorted that one out as well. And since he was faithful back then, he'll be faithful to provide for me in a second bow. As you consider loss, whatever that loss might be, you can remind yourself, wait a minute, he was faithful to restore everything that was lost last time. As it says in the book of Jeremiah, even the things that the locusts tried to destroy, my God is able to restore. And so honestly, I'm not living for restoration here on earth anyway. I'm living for eternity. But even if he doesn't restore here on earth, I'm gonna spend an eternity with him in heaven. Perspective. The marriage is falling apart. The relational stress is coming together. Oh God, this one's gonna lead to divorce. Wait a minute, he saved the marriage last time. He saved the relationship last time. And if he saved it last time, he's gonna be faithful to save it again. It's a different perspective. We, we look back so that we can move forward. We look back at how faithful he was and we begin to make progress in the present. So if we are facing a virus again and we look at it, without seeing it through the lens of faithfulness, oh God, what's gonna happen? It's gonna take me out of, oh, uh, yeah, you're gonna go down that road. But if we put on the lens of God's faithfulness, suddenly we go, wait a minute, I don't care what variant we're talking about right now. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, ellipses, zeta, it doesn't matter to me. All the letters of the alphabet can come. He was faithful last time. He's gonna be faithful again. He walked us through this once before. Come on, we serve a God that regardless of what's happening around us in the world, still stands above it all. He is still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. Everything else is still subject to his name. So I'm gonna remember his faithfulness. I'm gonna stand behind this shield. Listen, you cannot control the, the realities of what's happening around you, but you can control how you see them. You can control what perspective you begin to gaze at the news and gaze at all the threats around you through. You get to choose whether or not you're gonna leave your heart exposed this time and he's gonna assault it time and time again or if you keep that thing shielded. You get to choose whether or not you're gonna let the enemy steal your peace, rob you of your joy, keep you cloistered away in isolation, or if you're gonna step behind a shield called the faithfulness of God and say, I don't care what the enemy throws at me, I will not be taken out, I will not be destroyed, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and every weapon formed against me is not gonna prosper. It's a choice. But we make that choice by choosing to remember. It is a perspective. And not to minimize all of this, but in truth, when we begin to remember his faithfulness, instead of lamenting all that we're reading about and seeing right now, honestly, the people of faith have the opportunity to kind of stare the enemy in the face and laugh a little bit. <laughs> Chuckle, because we see it for what it truly is. Uh, this last week, I've mentioned before that I've got a group of guys that I read through the Bible with every single year. And we make comments to one another through this, uh, the YouVersion app. And um, this last week had us in the book of Psalms. 
and we were reading through Psalm 74. And I literally LOL'd in my office today as I was reading Psalm, excuse me, a couple of days ago as I was reading Psalm 74, because at the top of this chapter, I wrote a little note to myself on April 15th of 2020, 30 days into sheltering in place. And I said, this is what's happened with COVID. Let me read you a couple of lines from Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us for so long? <laughs> why is your anger so intense? Remember that we're the people that you chose long ago, the tribe that you redeemed as your own special possession. Walk through the awful ruins of this city. <laughs> See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. They set up their battle standards. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the place that bears your name. Oh. <laughs> that brought me to tears on April 15th of 2020. It's interesting what a year's worth of perspective will do when you've watched the faithfulness of God display itself for the last 18 months. And now the same thing that was tear-soaked in my Bible literally makes me laugh out loud because I've remembered, no, God was faithful back then. The sanctuary didn't burn to the ground. It's still here. The church is still doing just fine. The gates of hell never prevailed against the offensive attack of the church of Jesus Christ. We're still standing strong. No, perspective. Perspective is important, but you only get there through remembering. This is a choice. And, and may we not forget the inconvenient truth, but the truth nonetheless, that as we face this bout of the pandemic, Jesus is watching. He's watching to see how his church is responding right now. And this is the part of the message where it might sound a little bit familiar because we discussed this at the beginning of the pandemic. You might recall that if you were part of this community, we did a series called How to Stand in a Storm. And during week three of that series, we talked about a little story in Mark chapter six. I wanna jog our memory with today. Mark chapter six accounts that uh, Jesus feeds 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And after he's concluded the service and he's preached a great message to him, he sends everybody away back to their hometown. And he looks at his disciples and he says, hey guys, I want you to get into a boat and head across to the other side of the lake. Uh, I want you to make your way over to Bethsaida and I will meet you there. So his disciples get into a boat and they head out and go across the lake and Jesus goes up into the hills to pray. However, about halfway through their journey to the other side, the disciples find themselves caught in the middle of a storm. And Mark chapter six recounts the experience by saying this, when evening came, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the shore. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, a quick look at that text might not draw any real application, but there is a massive truth buried in those sentences right there. A truth that I think we need to remember as we find ourselves once again in this storm. It says that, while the disciples were in the middle of the storm, Jesus is standing on the shore. And it says that that took place in the evening. Theologians tell us, based on the word here in the Greek used for evening, and the time of year, based on when this would have happened, that puts Jesus standing on the shore, watching his disciples somewhere between the hours of 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Goes on to tell us that at the fourth watch of the night, Jesus walks out onto the waters towards his disciples. Well, the fourth watch of the night in their culture would have been somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So 
Jesus stands, watches the disciples in a storm between six and nine. The disciples don't see Jesus walk out onto the water until between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Let's do some basic math. That means that Jesus stands and watches his disciples struggle for somewhere between six and 12 hours before he ever makes his way out onto the waters. Now, I don't know if that messes with your image of Jesus, but it messes with mine. <laughs> Pardon the irreverence, but what the heck, Jesus? <laughs> How you gonna do me like that? <laughs> like, what kind of Jesus just stands on the shore and watches his disciples struggle? This is not the image of Jesus they peddled to me when I was a kid. This is not the blonde hair, blue eyed, lamb carrying footprints in the sand, Jesus. This is like a kid with a magnifying glass to an ant, just watching him squirm. Seriously, what kind of Jesus stands on the shore and watches his disciples struggle knowing full well that he could walk out there and save them in a moment? I'll tell you what kind of Jesus does that. The kind of Jesus that is wondering whether they're going to react or remember. See, see let me remind us all of another storm just before this one. A couple chapters back, Jesus and his disciples find themselves in a boat in the middle of a lake and a storm breaks out on the waters while Jesus is taking a little nappy nap in the back of the boat. The disciples come over and they shake him and they wake him up and they accuse him of negligence. Don't you care that we're gonna die? Jesus <clears throat> yawns. Walks out to the side of the boat. peace. <laughs> That's my Jesus. <laughs> Got a little do-rag in the back, you know. <laughs> One moment, Jesus speaks a word. Every wave is silenced. The winds calm, the water glass. And he looks at his disciples and he says, where was your faith? I told you we were going to the other side of the lake. If I said we're going to the other side of the lake, we're gonna make it to the other side of the lake. Where was your faith? Well, guess what? That storm, just a few chapters earlier, had only taken place about four to six months before this storm. Not only that, it was in the same body of water, heading to the same city with the same group of disciples in what many theologians believe to be the exact same boat. They had been there before. But this time, Jesus didn't run out to the boat and command the waves to be still. He stood on the shore and he watched. As if to ask, have you learned anything yet? Has my faithfulness produced any lasting faith in you? Or six months later, are you still freaking out? If I told you you were gonna get over to the other side of the lake, you're gonna get to the other side of the lake. But have you learned anything? I can't help but wonder if the same Jesus is not standing on the shores of our lives right now and asking some similar questions. Hey, church, have you learned anything yet? 
Are you responding the same way this time as you did last time? Has my faithfulness produced any faith in you? Are you just reacting again? Because it's a choice. But, but let me tell you how I'm going to respond to this right now. And let me tell you how I believe God has called us to respond to this. I am not gonna be the disciple that is in round two of a storm freaking out when I know that God is gonna get me to the other side of this. I am going to remember that my God has been faithful to me every single day over the last 18 months, and he will continue to be faithful from this point forward. I will remember the fact that when we could not gather inside of this room and lift up the name of Jesus, there were hundreds of believers that made their way out to the great highway and said, fine, I don't need blue chairs and weird people on a wall. I will sing into the open air if I have to and lift up the name of Jesus over my city. I will remember the fact that when we thought there may not be enough and people might shut down, our greatest single month of giving here at the Father's house was smack dab in the middle of a global pandemic. And I will remember the fact that even though we weren't in this space, people were still being saved. People were still being discipled. People were still getting water baptized. I got my boy Bryson right here in the front row who walked into the waters over at the marina in December. Come on, that's a real Christian right there. And got baptized in the ocean along with his buddy Ethan. Because the gates of hell will never prevail against the offensive attack of the church of Jesus Christ. He is always faithful. He will remain faithful to us. I will remember, yes, even when we were all worried about whether or not we were going to be able to worship with some masks on, by the hundreds, we walked back into this building and the presence of Jesus still showed up even though we had masks on our face. So guess what, if it has to happen again, I really don't care. That is not a hill that I'm willing to die on. If we find out next week, we're putting the masks back on. Jesus can make it through a piece of cloth on my mouth. He's greater than whatever it is we're facing right now and I'll worship him with or without, it doesn't matter to me. He's been faithful and he will remain faithful. We're not going back. We're not shutting down. We're not entering back into a place of timidity again. No, we're gonna live with some boldness and some faith and we're gonna be courageous in Christ as we step into the next, next, this next chapter. That's who we are. That's me. So let's position you. What do you need to remember? What have you forgotten that you need to remember? Sometimes I think our greatest sin is not faithlessness, it's forgetfulness. It's failing to remember what God has done. What do you need to remember? Do you need to remember that even though you thought you weren't gonna be provided for, he's still provided? Do you need to remember that most of those things that you were afraid of never actually happened? They were all in your head. Do you need to remember what it felt like when you finally got out of your house and you saw other people and you worshiped together in the house of God and you bought into that idea that people posted on social media, we don't need a building to worship God. But then you realize that there was something significant about the gathered saints lifting up the name of Jesus together. What do you need to remember? Maybe, maybe you went through great trauma and loss, but you need to remember that even though this last chapter was incredibly difficult, God was still faithful even in the middle of that. I know some people sitting in this room right now who lost friends and family over the last year but they had the opportunity to share Christ with someone on their deathbed and they made a decision to turn their hearts over to him. So now they're in eternity with Christ instead of without Christ. 
And a few more years on this planet without Jesus is not worth anything compared to staring him face to face and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been set before you. I'll take that. We need to remember how faithful he was even in the trauma. What do you need to remember? Because you have been here before, but you don't have to do what you did before. We can do this chapter differently. Instead of leaving ourselves exposed, we can stand behind a shield. Now, one more thought as we conclude, and the band can come as we do this, but I believe that there is an invitation being made to the people of Jesus Christ right now that, that I feel like some people are gonna latch onto today before we conclude. The, the, this uh, story of a storm, um, although it doesn't mention it in Mark's gospel, chapter six, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, there's another detail that we discover as we look a little bit further into the storm. We find that as Jesus stepped out onto those waters towards his disciple, he was not the only one who stood in those waters in the middle of a storm. Uh, Matthew's gospel records that when Jesus walked out, Peter calls out from the boat to Jesus and Jesus looks back at Peter and he says, hey, I'm inviting you to step out of that boat and to walk onto the waters of this storm with me. Mind you, this was not once the storm had concluded, once the waves were stopped and the waters were still. This was right in the middle of the tumultuous storm that Jesus says, hey, Peter, why don't you walk out onto the waters with me? I believe that the Holy Spirit is issuing an invitation right now to some Peters in the Spirit. For those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, listen very closely right now. I believe Jesus is asking, who is willing to step out onto these waters with me? Who is willing to stand in the middle of this storm? There were 11 other disciples that hunkered down in the boat and we don't read about their heroic deeds in scripture. They were hidden back there waiting for the storm to pass. But you know who we read about? The guy who said, well, Jesus, the storm seems to be under your feet and you're giving me permission to walk out towards you. So I'm gonna walk out into the middle of this thing. I'm gonna operate with some faith and some courage. I'm not gonna hide away. I'm gonna face this head on. Peter didn't run from the mess. He ran into the mess. And I believe there's an opportunity being issued right now, an invitation being issued right now by the Holy Spirit for some people who maybe didn't handle the last chapter the correct way. And I'm sorry if this is offensive to you, but I, I wholeheartedly feel the Holy Spirit inviting some people into this. Do not hide away in the boat this time. Do not cloister away in fear this time. You've been here before and you're still here. You've been down this road. You have experience on your side now. And Jesus is calling, will you be a water walking, storm standing, storm chasing disciple? Or will you be numbered among those who cloister away in the boat? Because he's watching right now. Let me say it like this. The author of Hebrews writes, and I leave you with this today in chapter 10, verse 35. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised for you. In just a little while, he was coming, will come and he will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the ones who shrink back. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Listen to what the Holy Spirit would say today. Do not shrink back this time. 
Be a man, be a woman of faith. I'm not saying be reckless, but I am saying operate with faith because you've been given a shield that you can stand behind and no arrow of the enemy is gonna take you out. You can stand behind the protective covering of God and you can chase this storm down with Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you as we conclude. Father, I thank you today for your people. I thank you for the Peters that are here. Holy Spirit, we hear what you're saying. God, right now we, we remember, we remember that you've been faithful. We remember that you brought us through. And God, we, we will not go back to where we were. We're not gonna let our heads or our, our hearts go back to that space. No, we're gonna be people of faith in this chapter. So by the name of Jesus, I pray for every timid heart, every worried mind, every person who's allowed the fear mongering of the news to get into their, their spirit. God, today, in the name of Jesus, we speak Psalm 91 over them. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will have safety. They'll have a shield that's been forged in your faithfulness. Silence every fear, wash over every mind today. And God, may we be courageous in this season. And before we get out of here, I, I, I wanna pray for one more group of people. That's those that would say, hey, Tim, I, I don't know that I have access to this shield. I, I am not one who has made my shelter in the Almighty. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe I did years ago, but I've drifted or maybe I've never made that decision. There's an opportunity for you right now. The Holy Spirit knew you would be here today to simply invite the Holy Spirit back into your life so that you don't have to walk through this chapter alone. And if that's you, I wanna pray a very simple prayer with you before you conclude. Get things right with God before you get out of this building. But before I do that, I wanna know who I'm praying with. It's just, I wanna pray for you by faith this week if I could. So if you need to get things right with Jesus before you leave this place, would you quickly slip up your hand and look at me so I know who I'm praying with today? Thank you, got you right back there. Yeah, got you right there. Hallelujah. Listen, uh, even if you didn't lift your hand, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a very simple prayer. You can pray this out in your heart. Just repeat after me. Jesus, today I give you my life and I thank you for giving yours for mine. Today I choose to follow you. I wanna be your disciple. I'm tired of trying to navigate this life on my own. I need you. Forgive me of my past. Help me to be your disciple and to walk in your ways from this day forward until that moment I see you in heaven and you look at me and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that has been set before you. You have all of me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for those making a decision to follow him today. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.